If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Because when we made it, we never dreamed that rappers would be old. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, wow. We never dreamed, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this, you know, CB4 is like 20-something years ago. Yeah. And, like, I know, like, a bunch of, you know, you know senior rappers, as uh-huh. you met, you know, Rakim and, and yeah. you know, and, and Big Daddy Kane uh-huh. and whatever. So I think I might want to do something from that perspective, to be, like, a grown man rapper. Oh, man, so you got to do that, So bro. why, but why do a new group when you got, like, this group with all this history? Uh-huh. And this is Required Watching, where I watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm your host. I'm Trey Epps, and I'm joined today, yet again, depending on which order these come out, by Tavis Northam, uh, Virginia native, New York-based visual artist, filmmaker, writer, director, all-around talented person. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? <laughs> you uh, uh, you flatter me way too much. You, you're the only person that I know besides me who, well, actually, you're like me, except so much better at other things. Like, I, I feel like I know a little bit about a lot, but you know a lot about a lot. So good for you. Yeah, but it wouldn't be possible, literally, without your help, because you are my also producer. That's true, but we we do have a, a working relationship, which I which I love and appreciate. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on, buddy. Today we're talking about 1993's CB4, which is, of course, written and starring Chris Rock. A lot of people. <laughs> it's so many people in this movie that it's it's actually hard to go through, but. I don't typically go through all the, the cast, but like we have Charlie Murphy, R.I.P., Alan Payne, Holly Berry's in this movie for a quick second. There's mm-hmm. tons of people in this movie. Ice T, Ice Cube, Flavor Flav, weird, weirdly, in it, right? Phil Hartman. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was the one that confused me the most. I was like, what is Phil Hartman doing in this movie? And not only that, but I don't know that they properly utilized Phil Hartman because he's not funny at all. There's, I don't think, I think this movie runs at such a speed that I don't think anyone was properly used to their best of their abilities. But you know, you know what? I, I, I've seen this movie and the reason I wanted to, uh, there's a couple of reasons I wanted to watch this movie. One, I grew up with this film and you and I had just finished talking about Train of Busan, which is a Korean film. Uh, And I wanted to talk to you about something that was black and ethnic because I'm usually talking to Dan, who is as white as can be, and I want to be able to offer different different perspectives about about these things, other than mine, which usually ends up coming across rather angry or or sympathetic, you know, to these things. And I feel like you are the most even even leveled person I know when it comes up to to movies in general. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, but but like this, like I grew up with this movie so much so that I thought. Like I remember being a, like a teenager or like a like a tween, and thinking this movie was about NWA. Like like knowing like, that Chris Rock, was, yeah, like knowing Chris Rock was in this, like 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 no, like thinking that this was a biopic more than it was a movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. Because obviously you know who Chris Rock was, grew up with Chris Rock, but I was just like, yo, this movie is is just NWA. But then watching it as an adult, I was like, oh my gosh, this is both the best movie and the worst movie all at the same time. And like Chris Elliott is in this. And Char- like Charlie Charlie Murphy, I don't know any other role that I've seen him have such a major part in. Yeah, he's usually not in the background, but definitely not like important character. Right. And like, I would say fairly substantial role in this film. And sure. I truly loved it. Yeah, I, I always feel like I feel like every now and again there's I pick these movies that end up just being pit, uh, pieces of 
of me while while I was growing up. Like I just happened to have a movie like this. I was just like, I just we just need to watch it. And I was actually kind of worried about how you would uh, react to it because we were just discussing different options. And you were like, yeah, let's do that. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. This sounds good. Yeah. yeah have I mean, you I, ever heard of this movie? No, I don't think I've heard of it. I, I now I'm looking up. You know, I have the Wikipedia page open. Just I was scrolling through the credits. I kind of remember seeing like the the cover, maybe like the DVD cover, but like it's not a movie that I had ever heard of. It's not a movie that I had even seen pieces of on TV or anything. So this was pretty new to me. Well, I for for all intents and purposes, I, I like I I hate calling things black movies. I, I being a black man, I hate calling things black movies because it, it it's just a box that we put these films in. And honestly, all it means is like it's for black people. And I I find that offensive because I don't go around saying that we watch cracker ass movies all day. <laughs> I, like, like, no. Yeah, I, that'd be great. But like, we don't go around saying these are white movies in public. Can, can, I, can, I, can I pose the first question of this podcast? Please. Is, Please. is this a black movie? Like by, you, you know, whatever working definition you want to establish. Is this a black movie? Because have you seen the director? I have seen the director. <laughs> I have seen the director. And the answer is, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a black movie. I think it's a majority black cast, and therefore it is seen as a black movie. Me personally, I would not be able to tell you if it's like blonde-haired, blue-eyed, I don't know if her eyes are blue, if this blonde-haired woman is is not only appropriate to be directing the story, <laughs> but yeah. Like, even looking at her credits, I'm like, this is probably the blackest thing that she's done. But it's not the only thing that she's done. It's not, the, it's like, she's a work, like, her credits are beyond, are they, they're absolutely out of control. We're talking about Tamara Davis, am I getting her name right? Yeah, Tamara Davis, who directed <laughs> Crossroads, Billy Madison, Half-Baked, she, I don't know why I put crosswords first. <laughs> crosswords. I don't know. Uh, she's she's directed episodes of Everybody Hates Chris, which I would you know define as sort of a black TV show, black comedy. Yeah, she directed a, one of the Jean Michel Basquiat documentaries. Mm-hmm. She's directed an episode of Ugly Betty. Like like she like I I don't think white people can't direct black stories. Like she she's most yo remember when Method Man and Red Man had a TV show? She directed one of them. So it's it's just it's just strange because you would think that if we're making fun of gangster rap, if we're satirizing that, why wouldn't it be a black person? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I find this to I I do find this to be a hard choice. Oh wait, her husband is Mike D of the Beastie Boys, and like I said, her credits only show that she is. I I think from my point of view, and I, I don't know if this is true, but even just reading that fact, it seems like she's steeped in the culture, right? Yeah. She doesn't have she doesn't have a she doesn't have a black card, you know. But she but I think I think she has an understanding of the culture. But again, I don't know if I find that the most appropriate thing given the con the 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 content that given the idea that we're talking about all of this. I, I don't know if it's most appropriate. But then again. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what was the impetus on hiring her over hiring someone else. But then again, shout out to women directors. Yeah, I mean, she did a great job. It was a, it was a good movie. If I if I had watched this movie, I wouldn't have said it was directed by a white lady. Me neither. I would have been. I actually found out today, and I was I was completely shocked. Shocked. But yeah, ha, ha, what, what what were your impressions upon watching it? Like, would any like you you're watching this with fresh eyes, like? What, this came out the year you were born. <laughs> like, like it's, it's like it's seventeen years old, or I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, I don't know how time works. It's definitely not. That would mean I'm younger than seventeen. <laughs> Wait, how how old how old is it? Yeah, it's no, but it's it's, it's like 20, over two decades old. Twenty-seven, twenty-seven years old. Damn, nearly three. It shows my math skills. It's nearly three decades old, and this is like your first foray into it. What were your mm-hmm. your first impressions? So I I feel like I have a different sort of perspective than probably you or anyone older than me because I've seen I have not seen this is Spinal Tap which is you know I what this is kind of based on like the whole like documentary aspect of it sure 
but I have seen Straight Outta Compton, which is a recent movie, like well after this movie came out, obviously. And it's kind of funny how they're a little similar. They're exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of had that in my head when I was watching this. And I was like, it's funny as a, it's almost a parody of that movie before that movie even existed. Right. But again, I didn't grow up with NWA. I mean, I, I've heard NWA. I obviously know their music now, but like I didn't grow up in the period where they were popular. I was a teenager listening to their music. So I found it very funny, though. Like I, I found it very humorous. I laughed out loud a lot, which I feel like sometimes I don't really do with comedy movies. I don't know. I, just, I thought it was smart. I like the way that they, you know, mix in these like real life celebrities ends a little weird mm-hmm. <laughs> ends mm-hmm. very kind of suddenly I don't, I don't i don't know i don't i i feel like i'm at a loss for words because i don't really know how to conceptualize this movie it's other than it was good you know and it, it was funny i i i completely agree i think i think when we look at chris rock as an actor from that time like from sorry from that time he was essentially like this was like off the tail end of him on Saturday Night Live. I think his time on Saturday Night Live ended. I actually don't know when it ended. I actually I really have no idea. I thought it was like 1993, but I could I feel like I'm now wrong about that. It, um, I mean, there we it, go. It, yeah, would make, it would make a lot of sense. This it seems like this is an extended comedy sketch. It, it, it absolutely does, and I think right, like he only has about five movie credits or, or give or take five or so movie credits. And they're all, I think relatively small roles before this. And, and I, and I think this is where we get to see the real seeds of, of Chris Rock kind of come through because then we get things like, like the guy who, the guy who is in the film, like ends up being Pootie Tang. Like, I think we get like, <laughs> we get into like the ridiculousness of Chris Rock, right? We get into like this, this idea that he is like really silly and fun and will make fun of things. Like I, I was shocked to see him at one point, you know, dress in drag and or dress in women's clothes, you know, whatever, however you want to describe that, and then like go in for that kiss. Like that to me, that's shocking for 1993, right? Because I think I think at that time, be, being a black male and even joking around while being gay is is about being gay is yeah yeah that that came as a huge surprise for me i was shocked how they handled that scene because i mean i think you know both of us being black i think that in the black community there's a different perception of lgbt issues than in white communities obviously and so the fact that they were like "Mm, you know what not i was like that's it (laughs) <laughs> like you're not gonna make a homophobic joke or you're not you know they did especially for 1993 it's just like that's really surprising i mean the, for the for, like, for the most part like, there are things I, I think charlie charlie murphy's character says the most derogatory things and i think maybe the boys say it as their characters of being you know in cb4 but i think for the most part everything feels fairly pc like nothing feels like everything's a bit exaggerated and everything's a bit of the times in terms of it, but nothing feels like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like this is completely out of control to have done even in 1993. I feel like for this like satirical parody, whatever you want to call it, it feels, it feels almost right on the money as far as the things that it it was bringing up and talking about. Yeah. I mean, there definitely could have, there definitely could have been a lot of like gay panic stuff in this, but there wasn't really. And there definitely could have been like a lot of things about like women and feminism, but they handle it sort of I mean, in, in I, a way. Like, well, they they talk about it, right? I hate I hate to say I, again. I, I think I think even with uh, Candy Alexander who plays Sissy, like her character, who was like, if we're gonna if we're gonna hook up, like I'm getting paid, mm-hmm. right? And and even the idea, just to connect this with the idea that like these three guys who are just trying to make it end up taking on this persona, I think I think those two things speak to very speak to how we as a society are behaving now. Like like we've all we've all had this thing where where you know we have to we've seen how people feel like they need to pretend to be 
someone they aren't or pretend to be gangster in order to rap or pretend to be gangster in order to prove their blackness or, you know, like that that whole Cardi B WAP video. WAP video? WAP, 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 WAP. But like, that's not too far off from like, from like, from like the sissy character who's just like, I just want to get paid in order to like be with who I want to be, you know, whatever that case is. Like, I, I think, I don't know. I, I think we can definitely see how that's, how that translates in our culture. And I think that's what makes for really good satire is that obviously it, it hits, it, it hits home in some sort of way, some sort of realistic way. Yeah. And it, it, I don't, I don't think that the message is lost. Actually, it, it's hard to lose because she actually kind of just states outright, you know what I mean? Like how she right. feels about it. And I guess, I don't know, maybe that's the, the benefit of having a woman director on this is that you got to tackle that thing specifically which going back to being a woman director chris chris elliott is in this movie i think one of the handful of white people in the movie and he is the guy directing the documentary that we're meant to be watching mm. first of all his name is a white <laughs> which i love um but but i think that also just speaks to the idea that we now have a woman direct uh, like a white woman director I, I, like maybe maybe that was actually much more intentional than it may look I, I don't know, but I think if I'm going to connect it, that's the best thing I can do. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering, you know, what her her relationship is to like Chris Rock or yeah. Sir or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely think that could be uh, a thing. I could, I feel like there's definitely some sort of special connection. Like, she, I don't think I don't think Hollywood was like, you know, who's going to direct this. Yeah, I, def- I definitely think there was some sort of no. like pre-existing relationships. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's no way they said, you know, because I think this was one of her first movies, maybe her second. Is that right? Uh, it's the second one listed on her filmography after Gun Crazy in 1992. Yeah, I, I don't think Hollywood is clamoring to be like, we need to get this woman in here to direct this movie. I I, that, I don't even think that happens today. <laughs> Hollywood still doesn't like people who aren't, you know, male and white. I mean, that's true. But again, the diversity on this is kind of wild and really ahead of its time. Now, just to go back for one second and talking about black movies, I I feel like like you, you said you said you saw like direct rela- a comparison. Like obviously this was based on NWA, of course, with some other like black you know hip-hop groups and stuff like that and of course if you see straight uh straight out of compton you definitely see some some relations to that but i i never saw this as a like growing up not knowing what a satire was or a parody was or anything like that i thought this just was a comic like a, a straight comedy movie mm-hmm. like nothing in my mind was like this is what's going on of course i watched it when i was much much younger and i didn't know what was going on in the world but i look at it now and i'm like we like I, I don't think people of color as a whole are, are even given that opportunity uh, like to just make, to make, to make straight up comedies, to make, to make things no. that one are original. And I think Hollywood isn't doing that right now either, but, but it's things that speak to the culture that isn't a slave movie. Yeah. I mean, well, so first of all, Hollywood doesn't like big budget comedies anymore, I guess. I, I, I don't think that's a thing that they really do because if, you know, you you used to have, like, I think Ted is probably, like, one of the last big budget comedies that I can remember. But you used to have things like like this or, you know, Along Came Polly or, you know, 40-year-old right. version. Like, those kind of movies that were, like, straight comedy movies. Comedy movies nowadays are a lot of indie stuff that are about a comedian life being rough it's not you know we don't really Yo, have that's real talk <laughs> and then I mean, yeah like yeah, cu- coupled with that you don't have hollywood buying black movies anymore and black comedies especially like those there there's so few and far between so watching this was kind of ref- it was refreshing in that way i think you know what i mean right like it was I, it was yeah. nice to see and I mean, I like Chris Rock, or I used to like Chris Rock. I don't know about now. But yeah, it was nice to see him in this. You know, it's not as outrageous as some of his other stuff. Yeah, I listen. I I I think along with the pandemic, what 
is I think what should be clear to Hollywood, and maybe this, maybe I'm only saying this based on the things that I personally like, but I think what's clear to Hollywood or what should be clear, and I think why why Netflix wins is because they see the gaps. I think Netflix will, and I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if they're just pouring out money, but they'll give they'll give a budget to to a, what, what would otherwise be a crappy movie and let it live on its streamer and watch it, its success. Like, like the kissing booth or what is it? The sleep, like, you know, like through pandemic, you've definitely seen some movies that are just like, Oh my God, you have to watch this. You have to watch that. You have to see this. And it's, it's something on Netflix almost every time because mm-hmm. they will like, they have no problem putting out quote unquote original content and making it available onto their, onto their platform. Like Lovebirds with uh, Issa Rae and, and Kumail Nagiani. Like, I, I don't know if I, like me personally, I would have gone to the movies to see that. I, I don't know if a lot of people would. I don't know. I, I think, I don't think it would have opened up as number one, but that's what movies are kind of living and dying by these days of opening at number one and making money back. Meanwhile, if you just make a movie and put it on Netflix, and I don't know how necessarily their model works on making money or making money back, um, but I do, I do think you get people who are like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, and I want to watch this film, and it's going to be at the top of the charts for I don't know, a couple days, a week, or whatever it is, if that matters whatsoever. Sure. Um, I don't I don't think CB4 was you know topping number one. I mean, I don't know what other movies were coming out in march of 93 but no nah, it probably wasn't <laughs> but but yeah i think you you do start to marginalize people even more when you have that mentality of we're chasing the number one spot right because you're gonna you're gonna put your chips down on the movie that people have already seen with the white people that's by right. the white people. That's the movie we've seen. That's the safe movie, and that's the movie that might get you at that number one spot. But the problem is not every studio needs to have that number one spot. I mean, I'm looking at CB4's numbers. It had a budget of $6 million. It had a box office of $17.9 million. Now, w- even, would you would even, you call that a major success? I would call it you made money. You know, $6 million is actually kind of a modest budget. Right, and and that doesn't account for at the time of of like rentals and stuff like that, which would have made tons of money and like things like pay per view. Like I would love to see what how much money it actually made after everything else, um, yeah. because I, I I don't think it's that simple or clean cut. By the way, CB4 did open at number one. Did it? <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, there goes my argument. But dropped it immediately next week. Uh, okay. Well, I mean. But doesn't that kind of just go to show you that, you know, this movie could make it to number one. We have proof, right? Like, it, it just seems like right. we have proof. Right. I, like, and, and just just for, like, real, real examples here, like, Netflix is doing a killing off of, like, all those action movies. Like that one with yeah. Charlize and the other guy. <laughs> but no, I, I, I watch those movies. I watch those movies and I really enjoy those movies. Now, would I have gone to the theater to see them? Like me personally, yeah, but I don't think a ton of people are going to show up fifteen dollars uh, in New York or any major city to then go see to go see that. I think we are like not even making it about it being a black movie or anything else, but I think we are typically like let's go see a really big budget like superhero movie or or like something that's already existing. And I think and I, 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 part of me is like it's our own fault because we just we gravitate towards this stuff, but the other part of me is like. We're just not given the chance. And I think I think if you're just a regular rom-com, for example, you're not given a chance. But I think if you're a black rom-com, you're really not given a chance. How could you even think about asking for money or a budget to do this? And I think right. that's really unfortunate. Well, I, I, I guess my big question is, and I feel like I should know the answer to this more, but I really don't, is how does Netflix make money? Like, you know, I, I sit down and watch you know, whatever I'm watching on Netflix and like, let's say it's a Netflix original, not, not something that they've bought. Where, you know, where's that money coming from? Is it coming solely from the monthly subscribers? Subscribers? I, 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 I mean, I, I haven't done a deep dive, but I think they keep that stuff super secret. I would only imagine, I I don't think people are like this movie with Charlize Theron is coming out. So I'm going to sign up for Netflix. 
but then again, I think after every like uh, quarterly hearing or whatever it is, not hearing, but meeting, I hear that like Netflix numbers only improve. Like it's been a while since Netflix's numbers have decreased. So maybe there are people out there who just still don't have Netflix, but I feel like everyone has Netflix and what, like, how do you make money from each individual title? I, I, I really don't know the answer to it. Yeah. And I, and so the reason that I bring this up is I really want to know how they're making decisions on like consumer viewership and like what that actually means. Because if it's inconsequential that you're making money off of, you know, so let, like, let's say you release a comedy with uh, Ben Affleck or Paul, you know, let's say Paul sure. Rudd. I like Paul Rudd. You know, you yeah, release a comedy with Paul Rudd. Everyone sees the poster and says, I know Paul Rudd. I'm going to watch that comedy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that happened recently because he actually did have something that came out. I think it was on, it not on Netflix, but you know, whatever it was. No, it was now, Netflix. Oh, perfect. So, so you have that. And then you have a comedy from, let's say, actually uh, the comedy group. What's it? Astronomy Club? Astronomy Club. Yeah. Astronomy Club. RIP, they got canceled. Right. But that's exactly my point. What is the, what's the difference what do those numbers right. actually mean? Because if they don't really relate to money, then it, it, it's it's weird because it's like, at what point is Netflix just a service that you can put your stuff on versus a studio that's making content? You know what I mean? Like you, like for yeah. example, YouTube isn't going to cancel you because you don't have enough views. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like, like knowing, I, 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 knowing, knowing Astronomy Club and knowing how they kind of operate, I know that their budget wasn't millions and trillions of dollars, right? But sure, such a low level thing in a year where sketch comedy was and is like blowing up. I mean, look at the Emmys, right? So I, I don't know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I don't know why someone would look at one particular thing and go, nope, not, not going to have that. Because at, at that rate, at that rate, then the whole reality show section of Netflix is going to blow up because that's something that we apparently love and crave, right? Like the the numbers on their reality shows have only gotten higher with each show that they've that they've put out. So, right. yeah. What, then what makes them different from any kind of TV network? Right, and and I know I know that the obvious answer is well, Netflix doesn't want to spend some money on something people aren't watching. But I, but just to sum up my point, my point is how, how many viewers is enough viewers and is our yeah. content being driven by quality or pure numbers? Because you can have something like, I don't know, I guess Pootie Tang was a big movie at the time. So that's a bad example. I think so. Yeah. But you can have like, let's say you have something very high quality that nobody wants to watch like something that's very like weighty or like I'm thinking of Westworld, but if Westworld just wasn't popular because it was just, no, like it was too heady for its own good, but you know, it had a small following. How do you determine the number of people necessary for it to continue versus not if your viewership numbers and your money income don't really equate in that way? You know what I mean? And, and just to bring it back, it's like, you know, can you have a black comedy that, is going to stick around even if the numbers say not everybody likes this. It's not getting the numbers that, you know, to all the boys I've ever loved is going to get. Is yeah. that the name of the show? Yeah, um, I think it's so. Not, it's like not that. getting those numbers, but it's also not the same audience, right? It's a different audience. It's probably a predominantly black audience. So where where's the line? You know what I'm saying? Like, where where's the <laughs> line? Because there are no ticket sales to tell you. There are no... You know, you're not selling seats. I, yeah, again, absolutely. Me me clicking once on a movie doesn't mean I don't have 50 people at my house watching that one movie. Right. Um, and I'm sure people aren't doing that. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I do think, I, I to couple that up, I think it's hard because I feel like because of the content of CB4, that it was then only marketed towards people of color, specifically black people. And I think that's where marketing comes in. And that's why it becomes like a quote unquote black movie, right? Is that like, they don't know how to market it to, to other people. I'm not, I don't think, I don't think every movie should be marketed to absolutely everyone, but I think 
going back to Astronomy Club because we, we, you know, we both have a connection to this, right? Like when Astronomy Club came out, I didn't get any notifications about it. I like no one told it was not on my homepage. I had to search for it. Yet, yet, like this fucking P Valley thing or like whatever it is, like I, I get notifications like every two seconds about it, and like th- these things are stuck to the top of my homepage that I have to see that they're there. And sometimes it eventually just wears me down where I'm like, okay, I guess I'll see what this what the hype is about, right? Right. Um, and uh, I, I, do you know how I knew that Astronomy Club had a Netflix show? I knew, I knew their name just being around UCB. I had heard their name. And either you or somebody told me that, you know, it's all black sketch comedy. I thought that was cool. You know, great. I saw, because I, you know, there's comedy people in my circle. I saw on some, not a post, not sponsored post, not a regular post, IG story, you know, temporary 24 hours. Someone was like, oh, you know, good job on the release of your show. Because, you know, they mutual friends and all that. That was the only way that I knew that they had a Netflix show. Netflix did not attempt to target me as they usually do. They did not throw it in my face like they will for something else. And so now I'm now I'm sort of questioning, how hard did you try? Like, did you cancel this show without marketing it? Because obviously that, you know, that's that's not how you sell a show or a movie. You have to you have to market it with a certain budget and that budget usually is two times the production cost on average i mean and then and, and just to just to swing this right back around to cb4 right it's 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 i think part of this reason is that they saw and like if you listen to any of like chris rock's comedy it's very about himself it's very much about his experience as a black man on this planet right this is why we got everyone hates chris which had gone on for far longer than i thought it did like everybody, everyody hates chris went off like five years i thought it was done after like two but it's it's again so specific that i, I think i i don't know I, I i don't know i i just feel i feel like we don't get enough we didn't get enough chris rock because the the world as a whole was like we don't know what to do with him right do you know what i mean like like look like looking at his credit credit sounds like he was a lot less than i thought he was but he seems very prevalent Exactly. I, I remember, like growing up, I saw Chris Rock a lot. Right, right. But like you, you likely saw him because of his sketch, or it's not, or not sketch, but uh, stand up or his show, or because like when his show was out, like I think it was everywhere. I don't know what it was like as far as like awards and stuff like that, but I feel like a lot of people were always talking about it. Mm-hmm. And just generally, when he showed up, it was like he's just so distinct, right? And then we have. I don't know. I, I legit was about to say Shrek. Legit was about to say Shrek. Um, <laughs> but but the, no. But we we do have like those other other shows or movies where he just pops up in, and you're like, oh yeah, Chris Rock is so good because of X, Y, and Z. Um, like he's a living legend, hands down. But I do think I do think the world just doesn't know what to do with him or where to take him. And I I remember when he was doing what is it Top Five, like that movie he directed, and. I remember going, I cannot wait to see this because yet again, this is something that speaks to me fairly specifically. And it has an actor that I really enjoy. And like, I think, I think it was received kind of okay. I'm interested to see what like Fargo is going to be like for him. I'm really interested to see what Fargo is going to be like. But I, I fear, I fear that it's just going to be like, like just written off again, or it's going to be like, look at how, look at how Chris Rock's like the best, and it's like, well, we know this, like people who've known Chris Rock know this, just the same way we're pretending like last year when Eddie Murphy was in uh, Dolomite is my name, we're pretending like Eddie Murphy just popped on the scene and just got good. It's like, no, 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 you guys wrote him off because he just kept playing the same person in these in all these movies, because that's all you would give him money to do, right. Well, I think not, this is not a black actor, obviously, but Adam Sandler is probably a good model for this where everyone, I think everyone forgot that Adam Sandler has A, done serious roles and B, has done actually good comedies. Uh, And then he sort of fell into the pit of like just doing his Happy Madison thing, which, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's it's all kind of a scam, but it's not like he's hurting anybody. Somebody likes those movies. And it's not me, but somebody does, you know. 
doing another, you know, grown ups is not going to hurt anybody. We all wish he would do another water boy or something, but now we have Jack and Jill. So whatever. But then he comes out and he does this serious role and everyone was like, Oh, you got to go see this thing because he's doing a serious role. And it's like, well, yeah, but he's done that before. We know he can. Yeah, it's just yeah that, we exactly. It's just that he hasn't. And so Fargo might be Chris Rock's, you know, uncut gems. The the problem though is I don't think anyone's clamoring to see more Adam Sandler in, you know, serious cinema. So, you know, I, he'll yeah. he'll do Fargo. I'm sure he'll be he'll he'll be great. But what does that actually mean for him what? and for him as a black man? Probably nothing. Oh, you, and you're, listen, you're absolutely right. I actually saw a, um, I saw a short film that Adam Sandler did with the Safdie brothers whilst filming Uncut Gems about a street performer. It, it was a, it's an interesting six minutes. I, I recommend. I recommend watching it. But yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And looking at Adam Sandler now and what he's got going on, it's like Hotel Transylvania Four, mm-hmm. and something else called hubby halloween which is written by adam sandler so we all know which way this is gonna go right um it's probably one of his it's, it's probably one of his netflix movies if i'm being perfectly honest but like i think he, i think adam sandler's just playing the algorithm i mean he probably is i mean listen you i, I think i think again he he was uh, business-wise he's smart enough to go this is what people want netflix said I want to. I want to take a chance. Your movies are making us money somehow. We all don't know how the, the witchcraft works, um, so we're going to give you X amount of money for it to make four movies, and then they re-upped it again most recently. So now he's making another four movies for X amount of dollars, and like he's just going to live on doing his thing. Like it, I, I, I think as on, as a business side, I think it's perfect. You want to give me money to do the same things that I've been doing because someone's going to end up watching it? Sure. I mean, I'll do that for you. But I, I, I do think he likes, I, mean, I, I think they all like to have things that they can actually sink that, their teeth into, whether that is comedy or drama. So I think, I, yeah, I, I just think, I, like, I, I was happy to see that Chris Rock wrote this, wrote CB4, the movie that we're barely talking about. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to see that he wrote it, but I don't know. I just feel like people just don't get, I think people of color don't get chances to do things that can really reach an audience. Like, as, as you said, is marginalized. Because I, I, I think, I think we, I think, I think audiences of color watch things because they have nothing else to watch, which is why when Crazy Rich Asians, it, you know, does incredibly well, people go, oh, my God. And we're like, no, this is what we want. We want to have these kinds of diverse stories. We Like, you know, oh, man, that that Netflix movie with Randall Park and Ali Wong. I don't know why my references are all Asian movies, but but, you know, that that. It was like a rom-com and it just did so well. And it's like, these are the things that we want. We want to see people that look like us or that we can relate to and tell the stories that we kind of either know and love or tell stories that aren't usually exposed. So I, I appreciate, I appreciate like Chris Rock going, CB, uh, I'm going to write CB4 that kind of mirrors what NWA is, I mean, listen, at that time going through. And right. WA is still on the scene at this time. Right. I mean, well, see, so you bring up an interesting point. You said, I don't know why all my references are Asian. I do. I feel like I do know why that <laughs> is. And it's because I don't know how many chances Netflix is giving to black people. I think that mm. they're they're investing in I, there's a lot of Asian content on Netflix. And that's great. There's tons of Asian content. Yeah, yeah. My my Asian side loves that, but my black side is questioning why why isn't there a CB4 on Netflix? You know, why isn't there more distinctly black comedies on Netflix? Why? I mean, you I gave mean, you gave Dave Chappelle some stand up, which is great, but where are fantastic. where are the where are the movies? I, where are where I, you know where are the the series? And I and I wanted to bring this up with you because. I mean, listen, I, we, we've talked about this before off air when the trailer came out, but like the whole Bel Air thing, right? I'm not sure if you, like, the, the official announcement was like a couple days ago, but like the whole Bel Air reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air as a dramatic 
you know, mm-hmm. story was done as a trailer. And then Will Smith, of course, got a hold. Like, it was everywhere. And now they're taking it to Peacock, NBC's streamer, which is out right now. I haven't seen anything on Peacock. Anyways. Okay. And now they've given them a two-season order. Wow. And the I didn't same, know that. And the, the same guy who made it is, I would only imagine, at least executive producing, if not also directing it. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Like, for you and me, when we hear about filmmakers doing this thing, we go, this is exactly what we aspire to do. Yeah. Right? But listen, that wasn't going anywhere without Will Smith. No. Which means that, like... Not which at means all. that, like, kind of... Which means unless, like, kind of like IP, unless we have some sort of, like, like big person behind you, you're not going anywhere. Chadwick Boseman, RIP, didn't go to acting school because of, uh, until, or excuse me, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm butchering this fact, but, but uh, like, Denzel Washington put up his, like, his acting school money. And Denzel Washington, who, honestly... This guy's amazing. Like giving acting acting school money to to actors of color. I'm not sure if it's specifically black people, but and like they're going on to to be incredibly successful. And it's like it's not about asking for handouts, but it's about giving people chances to do things and show you that they can do things in a way that's going to reach people properly. All right. we're asking is for the fucking chance, and I I think that that just doesn't happen so often because I rather trust a cousin of some other fucking other cousin's best friend on MySpace than the person who's in their face showing them that they have this experience and vision to pull something off. Yet I have to watch the wrong Missy or whatever the hell it is on Netflix. <laughs> and, and, and like, and like, listen, I, I watch these things. I watch things that just aren't good and I watch things that are good, but I, I, I would again like to see fair chances given out across the table. And I just think that more times than not, it hasn't. I haven't read the new rules for the academy, for the academy, like essentially of enforcing inclusion for mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to be considered best picture. But I, but I'm also like, I don't, I don't care. I don't think that's going to change anything. I think people won't care about winning best picture. And I feel like by in you know 2024, when best picture is going to be won because you know three people of color are in it. I'm just gonna think that they only put those three people of color in it just to be nominated for Best Picture. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not gonna think that it's just because they do great work. I'm gonna think someone in the back end is gonna be like, "Yo, in order to get Best Picture nomination, we need to have, we need to reach this requirement." And it's crazy to me that we need to like make rules in order to just let people shine. Sure, and um, <laughs> you know oh, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 no. I just felt like I said something that didn't make sense. Like I think, I think things should be in place to let people shine, but I think it's a bit crazy to have to like force people's hands. People should just know to do that. Anyways, go on. Oh no, I was just gonna say that they're going to half-ass it because they are known to half-ass diversity and inclusion. It happens all the time. There was something I saw recently on Twitter. Netflix has a new teen drama called Grand Army. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. So Grand Army is, I'm not entirely sure what it's about. It's about high school students and there is some like racial tension, possibly a shooting. I'm, I, from the trailer, it's really hard, sure. to, it's, it's hard to tell what it's about. At Sometimes it seems like racial violence or police brutality. Other times it just seems like teens struggle with coming of age. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the only reason that I knew about this was I saw on Twitter one of the writers who is, I want to say she's Chinese. She's an Asian-American writer. I know that much. Uh, Yeah, so Chinese-American screenwriter um, quits. I'm going to say quit. I think she was quit. Maybe she was fired. (laughs) But I think she left the project. And as my understanding is, not having the full suite up in front of me, but my understanding is that it was a white woman who was the lead writer. And, you know, if you, you watch the trailer, there's a lot of black and brown faces. Obviously, Grand Army is uh, in Brooklyn. So there's a lot of black and brown faces, and which means black and brown stories in this high school and, you know, all of that stuff. It's nice that they have writers of color. And my understanding is they had black women or black black writers i don't know if they were all women or not yeah but they had you know pocs in that writer's room now the problem is 
that the the lead writer, the head writer of the writer's room was a white woman. And the story goes that I guess she was abusive or very like not good about having those POCs. And uh, I think it was mentioned that she she did or somebody in the office called HR on a black woman for getting a haircut. That was the actual quote from the tweet was getting a haircut, um, which so is not, I, not new. I mean, yeah. Like it's not just not a new thing. What were you going to say? So, so I, I pulled this tweet up while you were talking. Uh, please tell me to shut up if you were, if you were continuing on, but Ming Pfeiffer wrote this tweet and she wrote me and three writers of color who worked on the show due to, uh, sorry, worked on the show quit due to racism, exploitation, and abuse. The showrunner and creator went full Karen and called Netflix AR HR on a black writer in the room for getting a haircut. Yes, you read that correctly. Who wants to interview us? <laughs> yes. And I believe if you scroll down, I think somebody from Variety or something was, was interested. So I, I really hope that she gets that interview because that's really interesting. But it, it just goes to show that like what I was saying before is they, they half ask this stuff. You know, yeah. they're willing to put out the content that the algorithm dictates is going to be successful because what's trendy you know, having black teens or teens of color, Latino, Asian, like you, like you have the diversity in there, but why did you put a white woman in power? You know, and, yeah, and, what, and what's yeah. worse is that they're stealing these stories from people and it's not really her story to tell because what happens is when you abuse your writers, you abuse the people working for you and they leave, well, now you're just going to go ahead with it anyway. And basically you've taken their work you've taken their experiences and you've taken their stories and you're just giving us sort of a bastardized version of whatever it was that was going to happen. And, and it's just not a genuine, it's not a genuine story. It's just not a genuine response to anything. It literally is driven by algorithms and people who respond well to seeing, you know, black characters or characters of color well, you're just generating and pumping out this stuff regardless of whether you're doing it genuinely or properly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I said exactly. I, I am currently, I feel like we're getting further further away from the actual movie, but like I'm currently working on something for a client and and I don't have control over the casting and I wish I did because essentially, 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 without giving too much of the project away, I know one of the characters will be white at the detriment of the rest of the project. I, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, like, casting is important. And, like, with nothing else changing about the dialogue or anything else, just putting the wrong person in a role can change absolutely everything. Because if, to take it back to CB4, if, like, the, if this were done by white people, like, this would not be acceptable. We wouldn't look at this and be like, this is great or this is bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, we would be frustrated in a range. So I I think I think Ming, the writer on, on Grand Army, Grand Army is, and the other writers are absolutely right to be like, like, you guys are taking advantage of us and our stories and we can't take it anymore. And I, I, I feel as though Ming and the rest of the writers will end up making something of their own with true, like, tension. Like, as in, like, people will not give them a fair shot the same way I'm sure this head writer has been given a shot. Um, or they'll have to fall in line and, like, on a, hopefully another show that that is fostering these kinds of relationships and cultures to be able to show the world what what you know what it's like you know in in her personal experience that ends up being cultivated through a writer's room sure and <sighs> and let's let's just say that these writers go on and they say you know what we, we we've had it this is totally hypothetical although maybe they will do something like this maybe they go on and say you know what that didn't work out for us we need to stick together and make something for ourselves you know and that that's awesome right. that would be really awesome the, now the problem is if no one picks it up, let's say you make it, it it's going to have to be smaller. Right, and then right. and then there's marketing costs. And then there's distribution. And then there's right. all these other things. So it 
I think people are quick to say, well, it's not impossible. You, you know, you have a camera in your phone. You can, you know, do, you can make whatever sure. you want. Sure. sure. The problem is it's, it's just not the same. It's not on the same playing field. It's not on the same level. I mean, listen, we will definitely wrap this up. We went twice as long as the last movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So this is all to say that CB4 exists in a good space where you had a black, two black writers, a black producer. Right. Yes, you, your director was a woman or a white woman, but but it, it felt more black than that. It, it did. Uh, wait, no. Just just for me to back up just a second. I feel like you have to be under a rock to have not heard about this HBO show, HBO in America, HBO show. I may destroy you with Michaela Cole, and how like infamously, I suppose she like she. This is an uh, English woman who's been on the rise. Like she's black, who's been on the rise for quite some time, and she wrote and directed this show. And Netflix offered her a million dollars for the show, but wanted to take her rights. You you heard that right? Now she's someone who now she's again starring and directing and had created this role. A mm-hmm. million dollars is nothing, nothing in 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 what we're really talking about here. Especially a show that is likely to go on to a season two or at least spark a you know uh, a rise in her in her ongoing career. But then you know she found a space at BBC in the UK and HBO in America and the amount of attention that show has gotten because it's just so good and because HBO took the chance on her and she didn't sit there and waver because of, you know, a nice paycheck that was in front of her. That's, that's what we need to aspire to as creators. Right. Of go, of going. And and, and I'm sure, and I, I, I don't know the, the details to it, but I feel like BBC, like she had the show packaged and ready to go in the UK, but that was in terms of like, perhaps American, you know, Netflix and streaming and all that stuff. I don't know that for a fact. But, like, listen, if I'm, if I'm going to create something, if I'm gonna, like, she created, like, 12 episodes of this thing. If I'm going to do all this and you're going to tell me that I ain't shit and, like, I, I have to give up my rights, then I, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. But guess what? If that's the only opportunity that I have, I may just take it. Meanwhile, I'm missing out on everything. Meanwhile, we have fucking Robert Downey Jr., getting back in on probably every Avengers thing to ever come out for like the, the eternity of his like lifetime mm-hmm. and, and no one's blinking an eye. So yeah. we, we give, cha- we give chances to people who we want to, and then pretend like it's a big deal with other people. Well, yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing that bothers me is the idea of taking chances on black creators that shouldn't be a thing. That shouldn't be a real thing. Because I think if you're sure. buying if you're buying anything, like if you can buy somebody's script, you're taking a chance. And I, I it's not brave of any studio to to pick up a black sure. a black script. That's not brave. It's only as brave as you picking up anyone else's script. The problem is they don't look at the quality specifically. They're looking at marketability and like optics and like how you know how does this look and they're not actually looking at like is this a good script is this a bad script if if they had done that there wouldn't be as all these issues getting our stuff out there absolutely i, I, I and it's it's a true shame and as you and i of course having this working relationship and knowing exactly how hard it is for people to just say yes to things or at least to have conversations with people with like the gatekeepers it's it's a shame when you turn around and, and you know, no, like just no one's looking at you. So therefore we have to minimalize it and be like, just take a chance on me. Just give me the opportunity when in reality, it's just like, you just fucking do your job and look for the quality things. Look for the, for the, I don't know. I, I have a story from, from a, a few years ago when I think NBC was holding some sort of like, 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 pilot situation where you know you send in your script or you send in like a a pilot and like you know they can pick you up and blah 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 and and like it was meant for like first time first time people first time filmmakers first time like this is your first project you have nothing to your name of course by the end of it the person who won ended up like having all these credits and connections and had like i don't know stars in their video which was super appealing right um and they ended up winning and 
who says that without this video, I wouldn't have, I, I would have won. I it wasn't me, but like that my friend would have won. But just in terms of like what you were saying in terms of looking at marketability and essentially the bottom line, which is money, I still think people end up doing the job they're paid to do. That's, and that means that the only people who really miss out are people of color. Yeah. I don't want to drone on forever on this topic, but yeah, let's, let's wrap up. Travis, I, we have, yeah, we have barely, (laughs) I don't, we didn't even talk about the plot of the movie. It's okay. That's, that is completely fine. I, I am okay with this. If you want to watch it before and leave us a comment on what you thought about it, go for it. That said, Travis, give us a bit of your take and your reading on this film. I think the easiest way to do that is just to ask the question of, is it required watching? And I think the immediate answer is no, it's not. There, I mean, there's nothing particularly special about this movie. Everything we've talked about is contextual and lays sort of the landscape of even like could this movie exist now and honestly i don't know if it could probably not now <laughs> and and that's that's not anything you know it's not about it being not pc enough it's not about it it's just literally could it exist and i i don't know that anyone will buy anything like this now i don't know that anyone would really give credit to black creators enough now to want to put something like this out it's a good movie it's a legitimately good movie it's really funny it's fun to watch and it's short it's it comes in at 89 minutes total um so it was a really nice easy watch no pressure there's nothing in here that is like i don't get it like i don't i don't think white people would watch this and be like oh i don't understand the jokes there's nothing you know what I mean? It, 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 it's right. a movie that anyone could watch. It just has black people in it. You know what I mean? And that goes back <laughs> yeah. to your point of being like, what is a black comedy? Well, black comedy is not really a thing. It's just, it just has black people in it. And it was written by black people. And, and we feel the need to label it in a certain way. But I mean, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a comedy that anybody could laugh at. It's just as valid as any other comedy of the time period. So me saying that it's not required watching is not really a statement on the film itself as so much as it is like, have you seen a comedy before? You know, <laughs> it, 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 it is a comedy like this. There's nothing particularly special or, you know, that makes it stand out against anything else that any other comedy that might have come out around the time. I think it's interesting. If you like satirical pieces, you'll like this. If you like nwa you'll, you know you'll like this if you yeah like chris rock or charlie murphy or bump yeah old school hip-hop if you like you know those kind of things and sure you should watch it i can't say that it's required watching though i'm just gonna echo the exact same things that you were saying i i, I don't think it's required watching especially in terms of like learning about filmmaking or or you know implementing some of these things into your own stuff there are certainly other movies that may do it better in terms of comedy or directing or anything like that. But that is certainly not to say that this wasn't a, a good movie. I, 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 I think I love it just as much as I did when I was a child. Like I haven't seen this movie in quite some time, but I, I have fond memories and I, I think they're only like reestablished upon watching it as an adult. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think I look at films like these that are, just like just films starring people of color, and I go, these are the movies I need to make sure I show my offspring if I would ever have any, because these are things that I want to make sure that they have in, inside of them. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like like when I think about music, and I'm like, oh, man, like when that opening sequence came on, and I was like, my dad used to play this song all the time, and like it's just ingrained in my head, and I have mm-hmm. I feel like I have an appreciation for like hip hop because I know like some of the old stuff, right? But I'm like, I, I need to make sure that like, if there's if there are things that I pass on to like my family members, it's gonna be these pieces of media that that have touched me and I think are are important to understanding where you and your culture has come from. Um, and that's not to give away that or say that like stuff that happens now is is doesn't have value. It certainly does, but I definitely think it speaks to a culture that that's important to know or to be familiar with but yeah yeah i definitely don't think it's it's required watching 
Um, yeah. And just to add to, I this is might sound absurd to a lot of people, but I recently watched Airplane for the first time, which I hilarious. I, it was hilarious. I really liked it. I mean, obviously, that has a very specific kind of humor as well. But there were gags in this movie that reminded that seemed like they would be at home in Airplane, and it it kind of reflects the idea again that this is just a comedy that has black people in it because the humor itself isn't anything wild or exotic. It's, it's, you know, it's the same sort of gag and joke. And I, I wish I could remember it was, I remember it being like physical comedy, but I could wish I could remember the gag that I, that I'm trying to think of, but it was very like airplane esque. I mean, I, I can't, I haven't watched it nearly enough like recently to to be able to recall but i i definitely know exactly what you're what you're talking about i yeah what's the color of funny would be my, the name of my biography if i were a stand-up <laughs> comedian <laughs> listen all of that said it's been a rousing hour and change with you tavis yeah thank you for dropping by thanks for um, having me where can the good people find you you can find me at tavis northam on instagram or twitter not a lot. I don't use social media that much. Yeah, but yeah, when when the new the new short film drops, we'll definitely have you back on and have a have a conversation about all that good stuff. But that said, again, thanks for coming on, and I guess we'll we'll see you next time. So that's our episode. I'm your host Trey Epps. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Did I get it right, or was I completely off base? leave a message and we'll play it during our, ex- our next episode and discuss required watching is a movie club so as much as i'd love to hear my own voice i would love to hear from you guys there's a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message or you can hit us up on twitter and instagram at